Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in Hollywood. And today, we've taken our vows and our curtain calls. It's time for our review of the new Queen movie, Bohemian Rhapsody. Galileo! Galileo Picaro! How was that? Hiya. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast. What is it again? Is it a podcast? You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the CLNS Media mobile application. That's right. Don't forget you can listen to our podcast, too, at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. And as always, if you love our show, share the links to your favorite episodes on social media. And don't forget to like our page on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Imagine thousands of people doing this in unison. Huh? Well, what's the lyric? So Brad and I don't do this very often. We, I think maybe over the history of our podcast relationship, our podcast monogamy... Oh, so you think? <laughs> we oh no, this is not the time for that. I'm, I'm already hanging by a very thin thread. We, very rarely does a movie come out that we think we need to see this on opening weekend and talk about it right away. But Bohemian Rhapsody is obviously going to be one of those films. Uh, the studio has been promoting this like crazy for the last six months. Every time there's a new trailer, I post it on the blog or I post it on Facebook. And so yep. opening opening weekend came. And Brad and I made our vows that we would see the movie this weekend, which we did. I can't remember the last time I saw a movie opening weekend. I just don't, like, eh, I can't wait. It'll be there in a week. But for you, gentle listener, <laughs> I got my sorry butt up off the couch yesterday and went to the movies. I had three hours of sleep last night, and I still was there for the first screening of the movie today in uh, Altamont Springs, Florida, in a nearly full auditorium of of people who were pretty much... Within five years of my age, I would say. Yeah, I went to a late morning show yesterday, and it was sparsely populated for sure. There was it wasn't anywhere near even kind of full, but it was all people. They were all of the tribe. I felt like I should have been handing out bracelets and business cards. Did, hey, you like the eighties? <laughs> there, there was a funny moment during the uh, previews, the uh, upcoming trailers, where they yeah. showed. I don't know if they did it for your theater, but for ours. Uh, the Ro- Rocket Man was among the movies. Yes, we did get that one, along with seven others. <laughs> on a popsicle stick. What yeah. are you people doing? Why mm-hmm. do we have so many trailers? I know. That's just the way things are. That's why I don't go to see movies in theaters anymore. 
but so they show the whole trailer and at the very end there's a girl behind me who's I don't know maybe 15 years old and she w- whispers over to her dad I don't know who that movie is about <laughs> <laughs> and, and you could just see my shoulders just kind of like just like just chuckling so bad it's Elton John she's like who Elton John you know Crocodile Rock she's 15 never mind so so anyway as most of us know by now Bohemian Rhapsody obviously a biopic about Queen and focusing more on the lead singer Freddie Mercury the film begins more or less with the formation of the band and it takes us all the way up through their performance at Live Aid in 1985 at Wembley Stadium. There's no spoiler alerts there. That's pretty much how it goes. Yeah. Uh, what was your first impression? I have to ask you. Like, I mean, what? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Let me, let me rephrase my question. What was your okay. expectation, and then what was your actual reaction? Okay. 80s Nation may get on me for this, but my expectation, I expected not to like it. I really did not think I was going to enjoy it. I made the mistake of reading maybe one or two reviews before I saw it. I kind of I should have just not read any reviews, but I read some reviews and they were like, "Oh, and we can talk us more about the the reviews later." But so I kind of walked into it thinking, "Eh, I don't know how I'm going to like this." But I got to tell you, Rami Malek, Malek, how do you say his name? Rami Malek. He's amazing and him up there doing, you know, doing Freddie Mercury and then the the music is so good. I mean, there there are certainly points in the movie where I felt like they were trading on the good name of their music with me to get me into the film a little bit more. And I, you know what, I was okay with that. So, at, and at the end of it, you know, also it's kind of a cheap trick in some ways to use the uh, the Queen set at Live Aid as the capper to the movie because I mean that that set is it. I don't know. How do you say this? It means so much to 80s Nation, and it, it hits me in a place where I'm very nostalgic. And when I see that that performance, it just – I feel the weight. I feel it probably as close to Steve Spears as I ever do. I feel the weight <laughs> of my years on me when that scene is playing. And I just – I taste the bitterness of the th- – 30 years that have ensued since that summer and there's just something about that set that gets me so i walked out of the movie theater i went and saw it by myself and i walked out of the movie theater and i was just like oh, i need somebody to talk to you about this oh. <laughs> likewise i went in there i had read some of the reviews ahead of time and they pretty much all praised rami malek saying he's fantastic he deserves an oscar nomination he 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 becomes more freddie than freddie was but the rest of the movie will disappoint you and so I went in there, and I went by myself, obviously. Who am I going to go with? And Cat Benatar? Sat t- <laughs> and I was hoping to sit kind of by myself at the end of an aisle, you know, where I could have whatever reaction I'm going to have without having anyone have to bear witness to it. Don't judge me, bro. <laughs> and I think I got maybe 10 minutes into the movie before I had to, like, grab – I don't know if people who know me, because <laughs> you have to really know me would know that I almost always carry around a handkerchief in my pocket. I just do. It, I you are to, old school that way. You are old school that way, and I respect that about you, Steve, because not very many people do that. Yeah, I have about 20 white handkerchiefs that I have, and anywhere I go, inside the house, outside the house, on the 80s cruise, off the 80s cruise, you can stop me anywhere and say, show me that white handkerchief, and it'll be there. <laughs> and he'll and, surrender to you. <laughs> Steve, and, I got a cinder in my eye. Can I borrow yeah. your handkerchief? I tried to give one to my ex-wife at her at her mom's funeral a few months ago, but even she wouldn't keep it. She's like, no, these belong to you. So I got about 10 minutes in the movie before I had to like 
grab the white hanky and then start playing, you know, holding it up in my hands and then twisting it and then wringing it. And then, oh, here, <laughs> here, here come the tears. Like, I'm going to tear up at something when he first plays Love of My Life. Oh, here it comes. And then for the whole second half of the movie, it's just waterworks. I mean, I'm not like sobbing, but, you know, I'm, there's a leak in the boat. You know, it's it's an emotional it's an emotional picture, and right. I, I mean, I think that they took they took well, I'll I'll never know. I wasn't there, but they took the story of Queen, how it formed, and how they interacted, and I I think you know, how, have you ever done projections where you do like this is the best case possible that could happen, this is the worst case possible? I feel like they took like the best possible interpretation of everything <laughs> that happened in their career and kind of presented it that way, and that's I mean that's their right, that's fine, but it does it does make you wonder like. Again, I think Malik is amazing. Is that really what Freddie Mercury was like? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it's funny when you're describing you know, situations where you plot out best case scenario, worst case scenario. What, what we're basically saying is that this is a fine study in film project management. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the principals are all involved, like when, right. when Brian May is an executive producer <laughs> – you know, or not? I don't know if he's an executive producer, but he's he was involved More in, or less. in the. He's right. a creative consultant, right? Which means, no, no. Let me tell you how it really happened, and whether yeah. that's really how it really happened or not, I or don't how know. he remembers it, or, or how we all agree. Well, that's how it happened. But here's that's how, how we want to present it. Yeah. Hollywood sees it this way. So right. So I did it, and I watched it all the way through, and I cried, and you know. When I left the place, I think my eyes were so dilated from the tears. And I, 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 had to, I had, as, as you often have to do after a two-hour-plus movie, I went to the men's room afterwards. And everyone in there was just, like, fighting back. Everybody was just like... <laughs> I'm not <laughs> crying. You're crying. You're I have not, a cold. Yeah. Everyone had a cold that day. Everyone had the allergies. The final song of the movie was still playing on the intercom in the theater as we're all sitting there trying to compose ourselves before we have to walk out there into the sunlight Didn't they again. run the show must go on over the credits no it's another song I, and here's the thing i don't we saw it on opening weekend so i don't want to say too much about the movie that would spoil it for people who are still going to go see it um do they play a, a lot of their hits sure but i'm not i'm not gonna take of all course. of them <laughs> of course they do they better <laughs> yeah but we're not going to tell you which ones they should have played and which ones you know they didn't play and stuff like that. Let's get down to some of the some of the more interesting things. One of the things that you have to say when you're talking about Bohemian Rhapsody is this is a movie that had been in the works for a very long time. Yeah, and had gone through you know different production teams and casts and stuff like that, and so it finally made it. To, to the theater, the, the director who's billed as the director, Brian Singer, doesn't deserve to have his name up there. That's just the way Hollywood works. He was fired at some, somewhere through the process because he wasn't right. showing up on set. And so <laughs> I forget who – Dexter Fletcher was brought in to complete it. Yeah, one of so the assistants does, finished it. Yeah, and so does it feel like it was done by a couple different directors? Yeah, probably. The thing that people are going to moan about the most – and we might as well just get this – cat out of the bag now because and i think a lot of people already know this if, you, if you've been following it there are some inaccuracies there are some so there are some like dead out inaccuracies that i don't really want to get into i think the thing that most of us will notice first is there's some timeline yeah discrepancies like when songs this song didn't come out in the 80s this song came out in the 70s no this song right. came out in the 70s no this song came out in the 80s no freddie didn't have a short haircut and mustache when this song i mean they really monkey with the timeline of the songs. 
Yeah, and uh, in some places, I'm not sure why it matters. Maybe they just needed a break from the story they were telling to do something else, and so they just kind of, you know, th- those kind of, like the, that song came before this song, that kind of timeline monkeying didn't bother me too much. The thing that they did that I felt was overly abusing the dramatic license was uh, Freddie Mercury revealing to his bandmates as they're practicing for the Live Aid set, oh, by the way, I have AIDS. And that's not how it happened. And and that just that they take that scene that is the the that set again. It's amazing. And to then try and use it as this delivery device for this, you know, oh, a noble concert by a man who's about you know we're going to end the movie. So it's like he dies as soon as this is over, you know. And and the band is like looking at each other like, wow, check him out. He's really bringing it. It, it didn't need that. It already is an yeah. amazing set. Yeah. Here, so that is true. The diagnosis for HIV for Freddie Mercury came in 1987, two years after Live Aid. Right. The and then he would die, I think, four years after. Ninety one. Yeah. In the movie, 91. in the movie, it's like you're right. Here yeah, comes Live just, Aid. Just curtain. Yeah. But the one thing that I give him credit for, and the one reason why, okay, I'm gonna let him have that. Okay. Because to me, there is nothing more sacred territory in the 80s than Live Aid. Period. And then there's nothing more sacred upon the sacredness of Live Aid than the Queen set. So if you're going to do that, you better make it as historically accurate to a T with no no Hollywood monkey wrenches as possible. And I I really have to say they did. And and that was yeah. their goal. And I would agree, every little Steve. Thing, I would agree. Every little thing. And, and the so, Pepsi cups, the half yeah, beer. Half, exactly. Everything. Every little inflection, every little move. Um, it's, yeah. it is just, and then the, the CGI as they, as they cut over the crowd scenes and playing Radio Gaga and. Okay. Okay. Let me tell you what, here, here's where I lost it in the movie. Here's where I lost it. <laughs> so they're doing Radio Gaga. It's, it's in that last scene and they're, and they're panning across the crowd and they show what is clearly. God, I'm losing it now. Was well, clearly a father and son in the crowd singing together, and that was it. I'm like, I'm Boom. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that was. I mean, it was just. It was. I, I think I tilted my head to the side just to to give the tears a different direction to flow off my face. <laughs> and t- to the credit, the guy that was sitting next to me, I was w- wasn't glancing over. Like he wasn't. He didn't I mean, pat you on the shoulder. There, there. You know, I, w- I wasn't shaking or sobbing or making any gasping sounds like I've been known to do. <laughs> there was no sound. Oh, Steve. I wasn't gargling golf balls or choking on a chalupa. I mean, I got through it with just minor tears, but uh, mm-hmm. it, it was it was still a great scene. And here's the other thing I want to talk about, just for two seconds, and then, and then we do we do have some seggies. My family was in town yesterday, and they they don't come in to visit me very often in Orlando. People in my family don't really like to drive that much, and neither do I. But for my mom's birthday, she came in town, and so my mom and my sister, and and my sister's daughter were here with her boyfriend, and we were we started talking about Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, and and they asked me, they're like, "Tell us the story of Live Aid." Oh my gosh! And, and so How much like, time do you have? I'm like, gather around. I told the story of Live Aid and I told the story of the Queen set and they were already going to go see Bohemian Rhapsody, which to me I thought was a victory in itself. Like here's this band, you guys you guys weren't even, you know, 
a glimmer in your parents' eye when they <laughs> when Freddie Mercury passed away. You weren't. Right. And but I respect and I'm happy and so proud that you want to go see this movie and that you want to especially and I, and I just said just focus on that event and just understand you know how important that day was to to us like i remember everything about that day where i was you know on the third floor of tolbert hall at the university of florida you know at the end of my second week of summer semester i mean i know everything about that day yeah and and i said you just got to understand how ridiculously important it was to us that every one of us has it every detail burned into our brain but especially especially that 20 minutes when queen is on stage so to see it get the Hollywood big screen treatment, I I was very happy. You know, was this the the genius uh, presentation that the Queen story deserves? No, it probably deserves like a ten hour Netflix series or something like that. But that's just not the way things work anymore, or it's not the way things work yet. And so that's what we're yeah. left with is two great hours in a cinema on a fall afternoon. To remember an afternoon that was really important to so many of us and to recognize the genius of a band that was just so good. Yeah. Uh, There's nowhere left to go right now except for the the Seggies. What's happening, hot stuff? Uh, By the sound of the gong, it must be time for Mystery Movie Moment. We will play a snippet from a movie from the 80s, and if you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for a stuck in 80s bottle opener. We got, we got an email the other day. I don't know if you saw it from... Yes, I did. <laughs> from the 16-bit kid. Okay, we're going to get them out. I promise. I've been collecting a lot of... Uh, so I just bought three cases of Pop Rocks <laughs> for trivia on the ship. And I bought, some t- I bought a bunch of stuck in 80s logo t-shirts to give away as prizes. So we have those. Not for this. You have to come. To, you have to win on the cruise. You have to. You have to win like in the champions round, my friends. First, you got to show up. Then you got to bring it. Then you got to bring it and show it up. <laughs> First, you got to bet your balls on it. Then you got to shake on it. Anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. I've got it. His real name is Artie Morty. I sort of knew you were going to pick this movie here or now or eventually. That's without a clue. Yes, this was my way of getting the uh, getting my honorable mention into the last show we did on movies <laughs> of October, yeah. nineteen eighty eight. Fantastic Sherlock Holmes movie starring Michael Caine and Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley, yeah. I mean, you look at the cast, you're like, holy crap! Are you kidding me? Why isn't this name checked more often? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you need to Maybe rent it's it again. Sillier than I remember. Yeah, I, I remember it being genius at the time. So. I also thought my haircut at the time was genius, and it was just feathered yes. straight down the middle. So <laughs> that would be genius. No flock of seagulls today. flip on the sides. No. Uh, anyway, some of the winners this week. Why don't you name a few? Winners this week include Brock in North Dakota. Dakota. What the hell is that? <laughs> Brock in North Dakota. Alejandro Sticks Cardoso Solis from Tijuana, Mexico. Stony Stitt. Dave Augie August. Chip in Maryland, and Canuck in Colorado. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. But you can't be any geek off the street. Got to be handy with the steel, if you know what I mean. Earn you keep. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. And I, I have to say, you really got to email us there because if you email me personally at my other email account, 
uh, then Brad's little system doesn't work where he searches the the email account for those winners. But uh, I'm it's digressing. Twoo. I have to remember to forward it then. So you've just caused work. So and we know what that you know. It's like you know you you see how fast we ship stuff out. You know yeah. how, you know you know how hard it is to forward emails. Forget about it. Uh, anyway, email us at. Did I already say? Yes. Podcast at okay. SIT80S.com. <laughs> and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. Uh, the mystical refrain that is named that 80s tune. Uh, we will play a snippet, a piece, a few notes, a, um, a minor journey through time, let's just say, <laughs> uh, of a song. From the 80s. Oh, I can see which one it was this week already, and it's making me all happy. If you get it right, and more than a few people did, uh, again, you're entered into the drawing for the bottle opener. Pay attention. Here it comes. That's Turn It On Again by Genesis. Can I just say that my Genesis spiral is out of control right now? Excellent. I, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if people realize why we picked this song the week that we <laughs> did, but we were having a hard time getting the podcast software to work that week. There was three of us on the show: it was me, Brad, and Jen with one end. And it probably took us forty-five minutes for us all to get yeah, online, just noodling around with it. What a pain in the butt! So I'd had a cocktail, I believe. <laughs> or what? The court- <laughs> I have not had one today. That's why I. Have- somewhat more coherent than normal. But at that point, you know, it had been 45 minutes. I was getting a little frustrated. I may have poured a drink of amber goodness. So by the, mm. time, every, by the time, every time Brad or Jen would log on, I would be sitting here singing uh, Turn It On Again <laughs> over and over and over and over for 45 minutes. That's part of the reason why this song probably made the list. Yeah. I was like, hey, I, let me just use that. And you're like, is it 1980s? I'm like, yeah, 1980. Duke, yeah, from, the Duke, from Duke album. I just finished Phil Collins's um, autobiography, the audio version. Okay, and it's fantastic. It, it really is, is good. It it's really so is good. good. But I, but I, but I'm left with this opinion afterwards, where I'm just like, I don't. Do I still like Phil Collins? <laughs> and I'm like, ah, let the, let the guy let Phil be Phil. You know. So I think that's I think that's best, really. Yeah. Um, yeah so. It's funny because we got emails about this. People recognize it, and people like one person's like, "You can't dance to this song. It's impossible to dance to it." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's basically in thirteen four. And then get someone else is like, "Oh, I remember dancing this in the club. It was so much fun." I'm like, "No, you you're you you're didn't. mixing this up with something else. I don't think that really happened." She's like, "No, it really did happen." I'm like, okay, well, you know, you do you, and it's just yeah, it's just like my opinion that you can't dance to this unless yeah. you, you can bob your head to it. But well, I mean, they're like what, they're still throwing in that prog rock. Like, let me mess with the time signature a little bit. That's edgy yeah. and cool. Well, I like it because you can't dance to it. So no one's gonna say, "Oh, we have to dance to this. This is our song." I'm like, "Oh no, we can't." It's Genesis oh, song. I hadn't thought of that. And, yeah, and so the the snippet I picked out for this is really short, and I won't apologize for that because I think if we gave you another second, everybody would have gotten it. Yeah. So I just possibly. tried to get that kind of signature Tony Banks double hit synthesizer kick. Da da. <laughs> yep. Anyway, uh, read some of the winners. 
Winners this week include Anonymous Dave, Joseph Perdue, Tommy Doucette in Boston, Timmy from Camp Crystal Lake, Illinois, Bob in Silicon Valley, Rock the Good Ag, Chris B. Critter, Dr. Dim, Gary in Gilroy, Rhoda Collins, Kevin Serving Wench, Peter Ryan, and Eric from Cincinnati. Okay, Brad, spin the wheel. Oh, well, you know, first I have to kind of find my motivation here. Okay, here we go. That scared me more than delighted me. That's usual turn events. Hmm. Uh, here we go. And the wheel of fate shall land on. The fickle finger of fate is Bob in Silicon Valley. You are this week's winner. So send us your snail mail address. Oh, I'm sorry. Postal address. Postal address. God bless the postal service. I, actually, I should. I have no problem with my postal service. We've, we've established this on previous <laughs> you're, shows. You're going to. You're going to pretty soon if you keep yeah. it up. And we'll get something out to you soon. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip that somehow is related to some weird factoid that we brought up during this week's show. If you know it, email us at what? Huh? podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> podcast at satas.com and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. What's cool at Dairy Queen? The Dairy Queen Sunday with thick hot fudge, juicy strawberry, or buttery caramel topping. Dairy Queen Sunday. After a hard day of rocking and rolling, we treat you right. We have a few minutes left. I just want to talk about some of the critics and some of the reviews that we've seen of Bohemian Rhapsody. Right now, the movie has about a 60% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, with, but the audience rating is 95%. That feels about right. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You and I and the people listening to this delightful presentation, like we are the target audience for this. And I think we're going to like it. I think you're going to like it if you have any fondness for Queen music or any interest in the topic at all, or, if, or again, or if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to like it. The critics didn't like it because 
they feel like it's too by the book or too sanitized or too, you know, are they meddled with the timeline too much? Or they, you know, they created a villain out of a guy who, you know, like the one guy that they turn into a villain is the one guy who's not around to defend himself. Right. You know, so, yeah. uh, you know, they're the, they're going to have problems with that piece of it, yeah. but I don't think it's a bad movie. The bottom line to me, as I see it, the story of Queen and Freddie Mercury is not a simple story. But perhaps, but like you say, the appeal of this two-hour film is not is the simplicity. You know, it's just it's we're just going to tell a story as best we can in two hours. Are there a couple of winks at fans of pop culture? Sure, the scene Absolutely. with Mike, the scene with Mike Myers in it is. <laughs> that was the one scene that I didn't see that joke. I should have seen the joke coming. I didn't, <laughs> and, and and there we go. Um, uh, Remy Malik, for his part, has said uh, he was not a super fan of the band when he started. But after finishing the film, he said, I see Freddie as the greatest performer of all time. I never cease to be astonished by this man. But he channeled him in a way that is just astonishing to watch. It's He is amazing in this yeah. role. So when it's all said and done, what's the ultimate takeaway from Bohemian Rhapsody? Is it some super accurate depiction of Queen or Freddie Mercury from their conception to their heyday? No. Is it, like Malik says at one point in character, a story about four misfits who don't belong together playing for the other misfits right at the back of the room who are all pretty sure they don't belong to each other either? No. It's a story about a time in our lives when music could make you feel like you could fly. That we could all still change the world. It's a time capsule, like any great biopic. And to a time when dreams, legends, and the rest of us mere mortals, we roamed concert halls together, breathing the same air, singing the same notes, pounding the same bleachers like we were in middle school again, and then carrying on like we are all champions. And so maybe that's why we remain here week after week, show after show, hopelessly. Or should we amend it to say, hopefully stuck in the 80s. <laughs> 